Hello everyone and welcome to the top of the show, the top of the Creative Psychopath show, the little bit that you have to get past before you get into the, the juicy, juicy podcast. Um, oh, that made me feel a bit odd. Um, this is the bit where obviously I have to say, you know, come on, give us a rating and review wherever you go because that's a beautiful thing to do. The links are all in the show descriptions now so you can follow us on all the different social medias, including Letterboxd now, I think that... Matthew said he'd take care of so hopefully that's a thing that will actually happen this week we met with Alistair and talked about the Frighteners um it was a really really good episode Alistair knows what he's talking about and we had a good long interview and uh the movie chat was long too um good two hours we got into here because of that I haven't included too many movie clips but I do recommend listening to the whole thing because it really is a good podcast um mostly because I'm not in it that much Hmm. <laughs> anyway, the only thing you need to know about going into this episode is, if you want to catch ghosts, all you need is a toaster that dispenses fortune cookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast hosted by me, Mark, and him, Matthew. Bonjour. <laughs> Each week we meet and discuss horror movies with a guest and they tell us their horror history or just the two of us chatting, well, about horror movies because it's a horror movie podcast if I haven't made that clear. This week we are actually uh, joined by a guest in Alistair who we're going to say hello to very soon now. Oh, God, the tension was too much. Hello. Thank you for respecting the tension. Just lately, we've had some real barginers just saying hello whenever they like. Wouldn't dream of it. The tension is what makes it. I just do actually want to call you out for not giving Alistair the proper title, because if anyone in the Facebook group is here, it's, it's the Alistair. Oh, sorry, no, the, uh, the Alistair. Not the Alistair, surely. The, the Alistair, the hero of the group. Oh, the, the one that always has an opinion on movies often not agreed on yeah but if it wasn't for you every time we went to the facebook comments it'd be like <laughs> it'd be it'd be me going ah oh, no one said anything yeah i i, I i've got opinions i've got opinions. i'll give you that so, king of the group mm-hmm. it's, it's overdue that you're here with us well i'm glad to be here uh a little bit nervous but uh you, you've put me at ease with your tension introducing me. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you don't need to be nervous because like I said to you before we started recording, there's very little professionalism here. So, you know, we just go with the I flow. resent that. <laughs> Look, we said we weren't going to mention how late Matthew was to the pod. If we did, we did say that. Now, what we do have to do is um, we've got these new segments. We've got the weather segment um Ooh. so what's how how's the weather been yeah, it's been all right in it i mean it's it's been warm a lot but this is this is going to date the episode massively by saying oh yeah it's, it's been warm in about a week's time it's going to be miserable and raining again uh, it's yeah. not been making its mind up for me today it's been raining it's been nice i haven't even ventured out 
Um, I was on night like this morning. I finished mm. work this morning, but with the kids being on summer holiday, I didn't really go to bed. So um, I'm crazy at this point, but I didn't go outside. Probably um, for the best. You, did, you didn't miss a great deal today. Nah, is it, the, the weather's not been anyone's friend. <laughs> it's not dramatic world ending stuff like last week so oh god last week felt like we were going through an apocalypse yeah it did yeah felt like we were burning alive and it, which is fine but i've i've got a greyhound and the thing just pants all night and i feel i keep rubbing him with well water just to cool him down and he's just not having any of it i believe the other half made some similar complaints about me <laughs> You were panting. Are you are you lacking sweat glands? You just sit with your tongue out. Well, yeah, probably. Uh, I probably got completely the other way. <laughs> I uh, I bought myself a, a t-shirt. I went to the uh, the 2020 cricket finals day, uh, mm. and it was it was like 30 something degrees, and you're outside all day. And I came back and the, the sweat stains from that shirt, it was it was straight in the bin. It was <laughs> Absolutely. Oh dear. Plenty of water, plenty of sun cream, and I was I was all right. No ill health benefit uh, effects. Sweat chat. Just a ruined t shirt and a, a disappointed me at the end of the final. <laughs> I think I well did it. Well, I mean we did we did batter Yorkshire, so that was a the morning went okay. The afternoon, not so much. Yeah, get stuff, Yorkshire. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We'll this, say is, this is why he's the Alistair. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure Yorkshire is a lovely place, full of losers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in control of the Zoom meeting. You know, it can. You can soon lose connection. <laughs> Bloody hell! I believe it. I, I thought to myself, no more of this. Um, divide because I keep getting in trouble for insulting people but here I am sitting in Yorkshire <laughs> I think we've established the rules it's, it's okay Be- to insult Yorkshire everyone else beaten down by guests and co-host <sighs> right well let's like, let's get into the actual <laughs> let's get into the actual podcast um hey no force no force banner we just got through it normally I do, well I feel it was a bit forced <laughs> Not oh, yeah. forced enough. You did say if you don't come up with something entertaining to say, we will kick you off the, the pod. And I'm like, oh, damn it. That's no, we know that's not a rule because I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. But what are we doing here? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. People keep telling me they like it, so I keep making it. One day someone will message me going, this is the worst trash I've ever heard and then I can give up. But until then, until people keep telling me they like it, we're going to keep making them. Well, you heard them, listeners. Put your comments in. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the passcode. That's how you get us to stop. Hmm. Hey, hey, look, don't challenge me. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard work. Uh, no, it's wonderful. I enjoy this. Um, yeah. Oh, crikey. We've really gone off there. That was that was forced banter. That was quite forced. <laughs> um, right, so um, let's get into the questions. So what is the first horror you can remember seeing? Right. Uh, the first horror movie 
I remember seeing actually has had such an impact on my life that I'm still affected by it on a, I wouldn't say a regular basis, but occasionally it will creep back into my psyche and totally ruin my experience. And that movie is Jaws. Obviously, it had a huge impact on a lot of people. Uh, but I remember watching this movie and it's a PG, well, 12, but PG. It, it was a PG back when it was released. It should not have been allowed to be shown to kids. Surely not. Well, that's what parental guidance is there for. You're supposed to watch it first and then decide if your children can watch it. But that's yeah, not really, not really what mom, we do, is it? <laughs> my mum had bad judgment on this. I have an irrational fear of sharks. And I say irrational because obviously if you're in front of a great white shark, that is a very dangerous situation. You may not die, but you are in huge risk. Very unlikely on the, on the southeast coast of England that I'm going to be experiencing a grey white shark, especially not in the harbour or the beach area. And yet, every time I go swimming, all I have to do is conjure that image of a shark swimming around nearby, and that's it. I have a panic attack, and I have to get out of the water immediately. And I know it's irrational, but yeah. that was the power of Jaws. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I mean, I, I had the the exact same thing like with Jurassic Park. So you know, that's that's much more <laughs> irrational if that helps. No, no, yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's less likely a dinosaur's going to attack you than a shark. We, we've we've had zero dinosaur deaths over the the last well that in, in my we life. No of that we know of. I, th- I mean, I suppose technically, technically, alligators and crocodiles are sort of dinosaurs really i mean i think technically sharks predate dinosaurs as well so. yeah so um yeah those that's all dinosaur attacks so actually you two have uh, you've combined irrational fears and created something else yeah but um <laughs> i mean jaws is my favorite film uh, so uh, of all time i um you know i might i probably have an ever-changing top 10 of movies but jaws will always be number one for me um, but I do know what you're talking about, that irrational fear, because even when you're younger, I mean, not now, but when you're younger, you could be in a swimming pool thinking, mm-hmm. the fuck is beneath me? Even though you could you could look under your goggles and see those floating plasters and stuff like I that. I nearly drowned in a swimming pool because of Jaws. I was doing the backstroke, and I genuinely had this image of someone releasing a barred cage in the swimming pool and releasing a shark. And I panicked, and I was just started sinking i just didn't know what to do yeah would have uh, you would have loved the uh, the swimming pool we used to go to as a kid because it was uh, it had a wave machine it was like the, the big selling point of the, mm. uh, the the pool and they set it off every hour or so once every hour or half hour and to get people's attention they would play the music oh god damn it so you're there swimming and i'd be lying if i said there weren't times where because like there was this there was a gap sort of for where the waves came out sort of towards the deep end. And the amount of times where I shot, there's a shark in there, it's coming out. There's going to be a shark sneak out. That's why they're playing the music. See, I'm not irrational. You know, every, every time I say, oh, I'm scared of sharks, people give me this look. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's not weird. It's totally rational to be afraid of a giant shark eating you. It's got to be one of the most horrific ways to die. I can't think of anything worse. 
I mean, if you're near a shark, it's very rational. Yes, very rational. If, if you decide to go surfboarding in Australia or South Africa, maybe you could be a little bit more scared than I am sitting in my bedroom. But no, they're still out there. These giant monsters that just swim and eat. That's all they do. And yeah, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on from Jaws chat because <laughs> if I get going with it, I will just keep talking about Jaws. And I do. I we do will want, do the episode eventually. I, we'll I do. do the want, episode. episode 100 is definitely Jaws. There's no going back on that, even though. I can't wait. Um, well, I think when episode 100 comes around, Sizzle for episode 100 will try and get a few guests on, I think, and really make a mess of it. Um, <laughs> that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but just get like testimonies just get all your previous guests to come on and what's like, hey guys congratulations on an episode 100 here's my experience with yours yeah that's a, that's a good idea that's actually a good take idea. that snippet we can use that when it comes around yeah well so don't even contact me again i'm out <laughs> <laughs> um right so uh when did you become a horror fan oh uh i had a really good thing about this because jaws scared me too much to actually enjoy horror at the time mm-hmm. but when I was about eight-ish, well, so I was a big book fan. You know, I always liked reading. And I remember being obsessed with the Goosebumps books. Now, any kid, horror fan of the 90s would have been aware of these books at least. And, you know, they probably haven't aged incredibly well. But they were so formative in my horror experience. Like, they had just the basic outline of what horror was the twists, the turns, the jump scares, the, the monsters. The, it, it formulated all of my horror experience going on. I wouldn't be a horror fan without the Goosebumps books. Wow. Um, yeah. I think as well there was the, the TV series as well, wasn't there? Which is, uh... Oh, man, when that, when that got announced and it was on Fox Kids over here and they used to, they had the channel up, but it was just, showing all the kind of clips of the stuff that's going to come out when the channel is finally announced. And I used to sit there through all the adverts waiting for the Goosebumps ones to turn up. Like, come on, show me that Goosebumps commercial one more time before I go to bed. I really want to see this. Goose- uh, the Goosebumps show was terrible, though. It was, Even uh, as a kid, I didn't enjoy it. It was actually one of the very first acting credits for Ryan Gosling as well. It was, because they show it all in Canada. I will say, you know, they had a lot of like young Canadian stars and Ryan Gosling just happened to be one of them. And uh, the same time as well, there was uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, wasn't there? Which was absolutely amazing. Like that, Goosebumps and Nat, those were the things that got me. There was one which was the the ghastly grinner. Mm -hmm, And that's the the clown. Yeah, that oh. that shit me right up with the balloon that blew up underneath the door and it floated up. Well, it was well, it's part of a thing. To be honest, I uh, don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing because it it scared me too much as a kid. <laughs> so there is an episode I remember of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which was years before the Sixth Sense, and it was just basically the Sixth Sense. It was a kid was saying who's like oh yeah, I keep seeing this ghost and it's really freaking me out. And it turned out the ghost was her, was his girlfriend who they both died in a car crash and his sister was still alive and he was the only one that could see them. And I was like, this blew my mind. I couldn't believe what some of the show was so smart. And then like five years later, Six Sense come out, made millions and millions of pounds. I'm like, 
no, give that money to her while you fed a dog. I think That's I need, right. yeah, we need to revisit some of that. Yeah, I think they re- uh, they did a, a remake of that recently. It's, yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested to uh, to find out. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's something we can visit in the future. Maybe, maybe a little bonus episode. Yeah, a little bonus episode. A little uh, horror TV series. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, maybe if one day we get a Patreon, we can do that. One day in the future, if we ever get good enough. Which... Yeah, I've just, just had a quick look and uh, yeah, there was an Are You Afraid of the Dark from 2019? So I'll have to, uh, definitely have to have a look at that. Yeah, there's a Netflix show actually called Creeps. I think it's Creeped or Creeped Out, which is a British. Um, actually, no, I don't think it is totally British, but it's like uh, similar to that, and it's actually really good. Um, my daughter watches it, and it's got a like faceless character who doesn't introduce the episodes, but they're at the start and the end of every every episode, and they're really good. Um, definitely worth a watch. Honestly, people sleep on horror for kids because they are we like to be really good at horror for kids is having to play that subtlety game, and they find some really clever avenues to take these kids on these scary moments that you, as an adult, can still see the fear in that. I think that people sleep on those. I yeah. think the uh, the Fear Street films from last year, which again, Arnold mm. Stein like like Goosebumps, but they did a they did a great job of that as well. There, there was definitely a little bit more. Like, well, I mean, there, there more was a teenage, word... wasn't it? Than, than yeah, well, the girl the got her head cut op- uh, cut open with a bread maker, so I wouldn't show my eight year old self that. Yeah, no, they adult they adulted those up, and, and the first two were good, but I thought the, the last one was a bit lacking, to be honest. Um, I appreciate what they tried. But let, let's keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the scariest horror movie? Uh, well, I, I would change this answer every single day if you ask me. But I've written it down so I can't change it. Because this enough. was the movie that gave me the most nightmares. So again, I watched it far too young. I, I, I got into horror movies. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm brave. I'm brave, mum. I could watch horror movies. And she decided to show me Candyman. Right. And yeah, like Candyman is one of my favorite movies of all time as an mm. adult. As a kid, the idea that Tony Todd will just turn up in my bedroom with his uh, hook kept me awake for, I imagine, a good year solid. Did you, ever, did you ever say it to the mirror? No, because no. <laughs> that's, that's an insane thing to ask a child to do. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, that's one of those horror situations where it's like, which one could you easily get out of? And, and that'd be one of it because, well, I just wouldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but again, I'll, I love Candyman too much. I will go into too much of a rant about it. But people who say Candyman in the first movie, at least, they don't die. Like some of them do, but most of them don't because it's not about summoning him he's not a spectre out for revenge he just wants the story to keep, be kept alive the fear be kept alive helen is the only one that really says it and everyone around her dies she, yeah that's true yeah yeah so yeah right. if you in this scenario where you're like oh well i could get out of this it's like no because if you got a 
a really unusual, beautiful friend, Watson, who happens to look like the lover of Candyman when he was alive, you're going to die, mate, because she's the one who summoned him. No, it's fine. I don't have any unusual or beautiful friends, so I'm fine. Ouch. Yeah, that I was going to say, hurt, man. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I don't. Aren't you too I'm handsome? I'm unusual as hell, man. Wouldn't you say you were handsome, though? Unusual and handsome. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't class you as beautiful. No, beautiful no. souls, maybe. No, okay. Well, <laughs> listeners, if you uh, if you disagree with Mark, please tell us, because <laughs> it would be nice to hear people telling me I'm beautiful regularly. Well, Matthew, you are a handsome chap. You're certainly the more, <laughs> the more handsome of the two of us. So, you know. <laughs> oh, I couldn't possibly agree with that. No, that's all right. I look like I've fallen out of a bin, so it doesn't take much to be more handsome than me. <laughs> that's <laughs> where I saw you before. In a bin? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, oh, did we did we talk about Candyman? Um, yeah. What did, you think, what did you think about the new one? Just... I wanted to like it more than I did. Like, direction mm. was amazing. It was so beautiful, and there were some great moments in it. Yeah. yeah. But at the end, I just felt a little bit flat. Yeah. The thing I didn't like about the new one is that um, the message is the same, I think, for both movies. Mm. But the, the new movie slaps you in the face with the message rather than, um, you know, letting you enjoy the film and work out what's going on there. It's, um, it's yeah, I, f- I think like the one thing I would say about the first one compared to the new one is that, you know, it was written by a white, it was written by a white British man and directed by a white American man. And it oh, focused yeah. on a black anti-hero, if you will, a black nemesis. Yeah. And, you know, you know, uh, Nia DaCosta, who directed the, the recent one, obviously being a black female, having that experience obviously wanted to tell her story yeah, about Candyman yeah. and whether the message was a bit heavy handed, especially at the end, you know, when like the dude was on, on the floor and they shot and I was like, that's a bit unrealistic. Yeah. I think but, it was originally a Clive Barker story. Yeah. It Clive was. Barker. Uh, was it mm. set in Liverpool? Originally? Yeah. And yeah, the, it was. Yeah. Candyman was a ginger guy. <laughs> mm, a ginger don't, Liverpoolian. Don't you see Candyman? All right. <laughs> I fucking get you. I can't do Liverpoolian. <laughs> no. Cut that. <laughs> Keep that in. Quality <laughs> enough. Uh, right, so what hey, is the best Candyman, calm down. Calm down, Candyman. What are you doing? Oh, no. Stop murdering people. <laughs> right there. Brilliant. Scouse Candyman. Right. What did I say? Best kill. Oh, best kill. Uh... Yeah, I had real trouble thinking of this one. And I don't know if this is the best kill, but this is the one I really want to talk about, is um, Kirk from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So set this up. Uh, they obviously have a group of friends go down to Texas. They find their own home and two kids for some wander off. And they're like, oh, we need to get some gas. So they're going to go ask this house. Wasn't they going to knock on the door? So this guy... Knocks on the door, finds the door open. So he wanders in, looks around, trips over, and then suddenly Leatherface is there and he hits him with a hammer and that's it. But it's so brutal. Mm, one yeah. of the 
like I don't, I'm not a fan of the whole torture porn things that happened, you know, in the early 2000s where it was just a long delayed gross death. You know, even Final Destination has that kind of like just torturous, slow death. But what scares me is the idea of boom, you're dead. That's it. No more. You know, and Kirk just tripping over, looking up, seeing something that scares him and then he's dead. That guy yeah. is gone, and that scares the hell out of me. And then yeah, the- it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no chance to escape it before you can even register what's happened. Yeah, you're done. It's almost like being hit by a car, but the car is this giant man with a hammer, and then the twitching afterwards, and then the classic slamming of that door. It's just it. If you were watching it back in the cinema in the seventies when that first came out, you wouldn't have time to comprehend what happened. You would just like hit so quickly. It's like trips over, never faces there, hits him with a hammer, hits him again, shuts the door, and that's it. That character's yeah. out of this movie, dead. Scary it, as hell, man. It's a chef's kiss of of uh, of a of a of a, of a death. Mm. In oh, fact, yeah. in fact, I keep doing this, but I think you know, often I say there aren't any right answers, but I think that probably ranks up there as one of the right answers to the question. Yeah. Um it's one that kept coming back to me when I was thinking of this question. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the big overlaborate gory deaths. I'm like, that's cool and all that. But sometimes you just want that punch, that real gut punch of like, that character's dead now. And that, yeah, that's my favourite. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a great movie. And um, I don't want to I don't want to go too much into it because I'm sure we'll go through it at mm-hmm. some point, but. The one thing that always stands out to me about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and basically what you just said is that it's very goreless. Yeah, very little gore in it. Um, it's all assumed gore and and stuff it, like that. It's very, it's really good at doing that. Um, it's, it's very much like Psycho. Like in the movie Psycho, you do not see that knife penetrate flesh in the yeah, shower scene. Yeah, it, but you have the the way that it cuts and moves so quickly, it just makes you think that. The same mm. way that Texas Chainsaw Massacre makes you think that this is a bloody gory movie full of guts and skulls and all the rest of that, but they don't show much. No, just just the name is, is implies mm. all that, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It, it's definitely one of those movies like Saw that you come away from it, sure, you've seen more than what you actually saw. Um, yeah. Right, so let's move on to standout effects. Uh, hopefully I'm the first to say this, but I'm going to big up some CGI. <clears throat> I think that is the first, yeah. Good, because I think CGI is so underappreciated. Like With practical effects, which are amazing, even the worst practical effects are looked at with amusement. Like, look at that, that's pretty funny. Or, well, at least it's practical effects. Where bad CGI gets lambasted so badly that it almost ruins movies mm. to the point where people are like, "This is a bad movie because the CGI is bad." Yeah, that, that's that is absolutely my most hated criticism of CGI. It's particularly like with Marvel films. It you always get on Twitter huge groups of people who are like, "Oh, look at this terrible CGI!" Like, look. It- I'm watching a bloke fly. I can suspend my disbelief enough to believe some bad CGI. And no one's criticizing saying like uh, the evil dead saying that's a bad movie because the practical effects at times are not great, you know? And yeah, it's fine to have bad CGI, but 
when CGI is done really well, you don't realize you're looking at CGI. You look at something like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, where you're like, after a while, you completely forget that this is a fictional character that is just made up of computer animation. And you just buy into it. Even movies like recently, like Paddington, I just completely forget that it's a, obviously a bear's not really there. I'm just enjoying the ride. So good CGI gets away with it by no one talking about how amazing it is. So the, the CGI I really want to talk about, it, obviously this being a horror podcast, is some of the earliest CGI that really had an impact. And one of those is Jurassic Park. Jurassic right. Park has some great horror moments and it would not be the same without the amazing CGI that they do to, uh, to make these dinosaurs come to life. Obviously, some amazing practical effects as well. Can't argue with the giant T-Rex and all the rest of that. The, uh, the blending, wasn't it? That mm. was the big success there. And CGI is made for horror movies. Like the idea that these things can actually exist is what CGI is for. And what more can we ask for than genuinely scary things come into life and we haven't confront these things now. And like, no, this is real. This is in front of me. I can see it on the screen and having no choice but to believe it. That's where good CGI comes in. And the second great CGI, which I think deserves some horror mention, is Terminator 2 with the uh, T-1000. That is such a terrifying concept. And again, lots of great practical effects, but that blending of the CGI to make it so believable and so viable. And it's so easy to throw away CGI, like, you know, baby with the bathwater. But yeah, people need to remember that great CGI can make great horror movies. And you don't even realize that you're looking at CGI because it's, you're just enraptured in the, the movie. Yeah, I think all good points. Yeah, I mean... I don't think I've sold you. Well, I wouldn't... I, 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 I certainly wouldn't really class Terminator 2 as a horror movie. The first the first Terminator is, without a doubt, a horror movie, but the second one's all, you're all, right. all out action. And um, But you're right, the CGI in that is good. And, and the other point that I want to say is that I'm glad... I'm glad that someone's happy to include Jurassic Park as a horror movie because I know people mm. don't like to include it because of its rating or, you know, who it's aimed at. But I think, you know, certainly with Spielberg, he's really good at creating scares. Um, and obviously Jurassic Park is a horror film. But so is Jaws. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about the CGI in Jurassic Park is they use it sparingly. And when they use it, they use it, um, you know, in in such a way that it looks good, you know, like they used it in the dark and and stuff like that. It wasn't, um, you know, in your face. I, yeah. Although I suppose the very end of it must be CGI when the raptors attack the team yeah. and, it, and it, it bursts through. And it does, it does, it does look really great. It does look really. And it holds great. up. Holds up to this day. Absolutely holds up. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, really good CGI. Yeah, I mean, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? That Spielberg fella. Yeah, he should. has he, he done does. anything since? Uh, nope. Nope. Uh, oh, the less said about Ready Player One, the better. 
Oh, I love that book. Um, <laughs> but not so much a film. Yeah, it's more, I would say, list of things from the 80s rather than book. <laughs> I think that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know these things. Um, let's see. So a movie that needs a sequel and movies that need to stop making sequels. Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to start with the movies that uh, should stop making sequels. Yeah, I reckon we should have sequels for all movies. I, because <laughs> if you think about how many great people love these movies, and give them a chance of making it, like eventually, like don't get me wrong, we have hundreds and thousands of movies come out every single year. Probably not that many, but also let's just say that anyway. But there's so many creative people trying to do something and just give them a chance at making a sequel to these franchises and just seeing if we're going to get a good one. Like, you, you're going to make some flops and you're going to make some movies that are not for everyone. But there's so many great and creative people who want to make a sequel to Phantasm or want to make a sequel to, I don't know, um, the Red Riding Hood horror movie that came out in the mid-2000s. Like, let them. I want to see what that looks like. It might be terrible. It probably will be terrible. But when it's great, I'm not going to regret this. And the prime example of this is Ouija. Did anyone watch the Ouija movies? Yeah, yeah, because the first one's awful. but the Terrible. Second, the second one's a real treat. Because it's done by Mike Flanagan. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, cool. Mike Flanagan had a really cool concept that he wanted to make a movie of. And yeah. it happened to be a sequel to a movie that was terrible. And most people slept on it and turned out, yeah, this is just a really solid horror movie. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So I reckon continue making sequels to every single horror movie because <laughs> you're going to get some great ones eventually and they are going to be worth watching and worth making and worth waiting for. But the movie I want to see a sequel for specifically, uh, obviously we've had a strew of, horror legacy sequels come recently. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Scream, Halloween. Uh, there was another one I forgot. I should have written it down. Uh, the one I really want to see, though, is a legacy sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. I want to see Robert England back one more time. I want to see who played Nancy. Ah, um, oh, this is going to kill me. I even... I even oh, Heather Langenkamp. Having, like, she was amazing. She is some of the, she's in some of the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. And she, I reckon she'd be game for it. Don't you think New Nightmare was that, though? New Nightmare really was a sort of legacy sequel, really. Kind of, but wasn't it was too meta to be a legacy sequel. I want a movie where it just erases two onwards, you and want... then it's like a sequel to number one. Right, okay, yeah. And the way I picture it, again, what's that, I'm fan casting this and all the rest of that, but... I want it to be there is a copycat killer of Freddy Krueger in the real world who is killing children, maybe not children, but also like doing this whole Freddy Krueger thing. And as a result, the memories of Freddy Krueger starts to reignite and bring him back. And Freddy Krueger starts using this guy to actually start to come back. And it could be a situation where this, this new killer, this copycat killer, could become the new Freddy and start his own franchise as a result and actually have a, like, it will be passing the torch for 
Robert England, who is getting long in the tooth now and probably hasn't got many years of acting left in him. Mm-hmm. And it will give him a chance to play Freddie one more time in a really decent movie with Heather Langenkamp. I reckon it will be a fantastic movie, potentially. Well, he's selling it to us and the studio. Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> always wanted to see... Well, no, uh, I know this might sound a bit odd, but I've always wanted to see um, the prequel to Nightmare on Elm Street. I'd love Ooh. to see. I'd love to see the um, the investigation into the murders, and then the eventual, you know, him getting off, and then them burning him alive, and you know, following that story. That would I, be. I think it'd be really interesting to see Freddy Krueger without his powers. Um, I, well, that sounds to me like it could be like a really good TV series. Like they did yeah. the Fates Motel, yeah. uh, Hannibal, uh, others. Uh, but yeah, well, so I could see that being one of those mini series. I would watch both of your ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Okay. Next question, which is, I think... What is your favourite franchise? Uh, okay, so my favourite sc- franchise is Scream. Awesome. But really it's Charles Play. So Scream is far and away my favourite bunch of movies. There's five of them. I enjoyed the hell out of all of them. Three mm-hmm. was a bit of a dip in my opinion. People don't like four. I really like four. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like four as well. Yeah, it was good. We'll see, you know, I'm so glad to bring Kirby back for the next one. That was a great choice in my opinion. But when I really thought about this question, all I could think was, oh, but Charles play was really good and he kept doing something different. Like, for as much as I love Scream, it kept this whole silly meta thing, but it was just the same Agatha Christie teen murder romp. Mm. And I love that and give me more of that. But Child's Play, then Child's Play 2, which was basically the first one, but better. It just did everything the first one did, but you didn't have to do, they threw away the whole pretense of, oh, is it the doll or not? It's like, no, we know it's a doll now. We get to have fun with this. Child's Play 3, I think, is a real low dip, but then you get Bride of Chucky, and it's like this, again, this teen weird romp. And what he's now got Jennifer Tilly, who is such an improvement awesome, in, in terms of let's add something awesome into this. Jennifer Tilly is that thing. And yeah. then a lot of people hate Seed of Chucky, but it does so many unique and interesting things that you don't see in horror movies, especially slasher horror movies. Like he now has a child who is conflicted with this whole murder thing. And he's also got transgender issues, which they have to address and support. And, you know, and then you've got this whole story going on and it's crazy, but really interesting. Like they took chances that no other horror movies were going to touch with a 10 foot pole. And, Bride of Chucky was like, no, nah. uh, Seed of Chucky was like, yeah, let's do that. I'm, I'm up for that. And then they come back years later with the Cult of Chucky and um, Curse of Chucky, which were great reinventions of this. But the main thing I think is really important to remember, this is all one continuous story. Unlike 
the Halloween, Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and all the rest of these contemporary slasher movies, this one kept the same story, same characters, same people that just kept going from movie to movie. It, it's the same storyline. And no other slasher movies are brave enough to do that. And I think Charles Play really gets underlooked because of that. It's doing something unique. And now I've heard the TV series amazing as well. Yeah, I quite like the TV series, yeah. The only real faults are Charles Play 3, which I think was a bit of a dud, but also the Charles Play remake with Mark Hamill. It did sound interesting. Again, it's doing something interesting. Like, Charles Play is always interesting. It's never boring. Yeah, the, the problem with that remake is they called it Child's Play. Yeah. It's actually a pretty good movie. Pretty good yeah. movie, but if they called it something else, um, it would have it wouldn't have had to have been compared to Child's Play for us. I mean, it always would have been any killer doll would have been compared to Child's Play, but at least mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been like, oh, this isn't a Child's Play movie, even though I thought it was actually really good and I thought Mark Hamill was great and I thought yeah. it was well acted and I liked the idea that the doll had an upgrade and access to Bluetooth and the internet and stuff like that. I thought it was a really good, different change, um, but it just shouldn't have been called Child's Play. Um, yeah. Especially since it wasn't even called Chucky. <laughs> yeah, it, look, it, it, I think they were just trying to get money and people to come see this movie. But Mark Hamill was a killer doll would have been enough. You didn't need yeah. to add more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good shout. I mean, good job trying to defend Seed of Chucky. I mean, it, it sucks. But still, <laughs> I, I, I reckon. I reckon if you go back and rewatch it, you might go. Okay, he, he's doing. I can see what he means. Whether it's good or not, it's trying to do something interesting. No, it's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what is the worst horror you've seen? Uh, speaking of uh, killer doll movies, there is one movie that. So I did uh, the movie challenge to watch a brand new movie. Uh, every day of the year so that was uh, 365 new movies in one year so I had to watch a lot of Dross and probably the worst offender of the bunch was this movie called Finders Keepers now this had um, what was the what was the actress's name from uh, My Name is Earl Uh, Uh, Jamie Presley Jamie Presley it had Jamie Presley in it and I was like okay a horror movie with Jamie Presley I could watch this and it was the worst. It had Tobin Bell in it, I remember, I think. And yeah, it was just a evil doll storyline. And it was just every single worst experience you can imagine for watching a B movie with a killer doll in it. It just drained the life out of me watching this movie. Yeah, I'm just looking it up now. It looks awful. <laughs> it, it's not it's no good it's no good and i watched it on netflix as well and i was like why is this on here yeah i don't know that looks terrible um often people bring the worst horror movie and i think to myself yeah that sounds okay but looking at this and you talking about it, it just looks awful that's definitely not going to add to the list that one matthew <laughs> okay <laughs> I'll, I'll ignore it then I, I, I would still kind of recommend it because I always like no. watching like the, the I like watching the dregs just so when I watch something fresh and original, ah, like, oh, at least it's not finest keepers. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind the dross. I'll watch. I'll watch anything. But if I know it's <laughs> if I know it's dross going in, then um, it's very difficult to sort of you know move away from it. And with one thing that really annoys me, and I can see that that looks like a high budget horror movie, is that I'm less accepting of bad high budget horror movies. Like if something's got a low budget, you work with what you've got. And, you know, if something doesn't look good or it isn't as well acted, you can let it go because, you know, the work, the working within the constraint. But if you've got a, a decent budget and you can't, oh, who am I? Who the hell do I think I am? But you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you can't, if you can't create something with a, with a decent budget, especially, you know, you've got Tobin Bell in there, you know, it just, it's like... What's the point? You can handle people doing the best. But yeah, it's when yeah. people have the means to do under, better. Yeah. When when they perform underneath themselves, you know, they phone it in, they can't be asked. Or, you know, yeah. or it's like a cash that. grab, something like that. Yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So uh the last question is what was your what what was? What's your favorite horror movie? Um again, this is an answer that probably will change on a dime, but uh, sitting here right now and me writing it down and saying stick with that because that's the one you want to say uh, Blair Witch Project is my favourite horror movie I will defend this to my grave I think that is one of the most interesting fun, scary horror movies that I've ever seen in my life and yeah I'm still shocked to hear how many people really don't appreciate it yeah, yeah, you probably heard me say on the podcast a few times now that um I don't I, I won't say that I don't like it, but it hasn't held up particularly well, I don't think. But I can see why people love it. Um I mean there's a there's a very particular moment and you know obviously people want to reference the ending with the you know with the guy in the corner as the scariest moment in this. But there's one particular moment that really fills me with fear. And it's seen where they are getting harassed in the night and was intense getting pushed and they decide to just leg it. And again, terrible idea, but you also, what else are you going to do? And I, I related to that moment of what am I going to do? Just sit here and wait for this thing to just break through my tent or just run and yeah. having that, I don't know what to do. So they run and obviously blurry cam, can't see anything. It's night, but I've known what it's like to be, in the dark and being lost and not knowing which way to go. And I think the main character is called Heather as well in that. Mm-hmm. Shouting out loud at the top of her voice in this screech, this scared screech. What the fuck is that? And I remember it just sending goosebumps. It's giving me goosebumps right now thinking about it because that idea of just seeing something and being so scared and shouting that fear response and knowing what we know about the movie being, you know, a lot of improv and a lot of kind of like them fucking with the, the, um, the actors involved. It's like, yeah, that sounds real. And it sounds like someone running for their life, screaming because they've seen something that they can't comprehend. And I think that is watching horror movies is one of the more, most realistic reactions this fear reaction it scares the hell out of me watching that well yeah no it's a good movie um hang on <laughs> have you just sold me on it i might have 
I might have. No, because I do appreciate that it's a good movie. I just don't think it's um For you. like I say, I don't think it's it's held up as well. And I think it I, I definitely need to go back to it because people it, it keeps it keeps coming up over the last few weeks. It's, it has it's come a, up. I'm getting it being sent this Yeah, it has come up a lot. Um, I had some um, friends who went to see it and they actually had a screening in the woods where you got given a flashlight and told the screen is that way and you had to find it yourself oh that's fun that's yeah fun. i don't know if i would do that that sounds scary as shit and i'm not that dumb to put myself in that situation no no i think i'd do that um i think i'd, I'd happily sit in an inner tube and watch jaws on the on the ocean you know yeah what's well, i think <laughs> i think you'd be doing that without me but that's okay well there is uh there's a place in the Peak District uh, called the Devil's Arse. It's actually mm-hmm. called that. That's, I'm not making that up. Uh, and every year they do uh, a cinema series there. It's a cave structure. And uh, last year they were showing the descent in there. Nice. I was hoping uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Uh, but hopefully they'll do it again this Halloween because you always do, uh, d- you know, do a series there. Uh, they show, you know, they show, I think they do four film like eight films over two weeks something like that so uh yeah try and try and get to one this year yeah that sounds great idea yeah Yeah. (laughs) right well then that is the first slice of bread in the horror sandwich we've taken slice yeah it was a large slice perhaps the crust of the bread (laughs) um we've placed our butter margarine whatever you want on there Mm. and the filling will be what's what you're having in your sandwich well, uh, inspired by this movie, I'm going to say that it's a Asda's home, uh, Asda sandwich, cheese and onion mix, you know, that one that kind of looks yellowy. Mm. And you, you look at it and go, yeah, I remember enjoying this. Cheese savory, I think they call it, don't they, or something like that? Yeah, like <sighs> a mixed cheese something. Oh, lovely. Right, okay. Well, that's what we're going to do then. That's That's the... Cheese savory filling, which mm-hmm. is Matthew's job. So I will um, pass it over to you. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you already know the title of the film now because it will be in the, uh, the episode title. We're talking about the Frighteners. There has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. <laughs> Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not going to be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, in or out, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. You, you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined at the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. <laughs> and an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. <gasps> or making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... <laughs> Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? In 
once and the dead yes! running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're gonna pin them on you. From Universal Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. You're next, pal. And acclaimed director, Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts, okay? The Frighteners. Uh, so it is from 1996 and is directed by Peter Jackson. So uh, it's a bit of a, I'd say this is like his, his first foreign to blockbuster films. Uh, so he'd done yeah. a few bits in New Zealand, uh, like Bad Taste, and then got a huge critical success with Beautiful Creatures. Uh, Heavenly. Heavenly Creatures, sorry. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Creatures at tween one from a few years ago yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> yeah don't watch that one watch the very very good peter jackson film yeah it's really good as well uh, and it was written by peter jackson and fran walsh who's his wife and writing partner and it was produced by them as well uh, as well as robert zemeckis mm-hmm. uh, jamie selkirk and tim sanders and uh, wilson they actually uh sent did you know that they sent this in uh, and Robert Zemeckis was considering it to be a part of the uh, Tales of the Crypt. They were going to make it a Tales of Crypt uh, TV show. And he thought it was just too good and he had to make it into a movie instead. Yeah, I think there's a... Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly get through that, but there's there's mm. too much of this story to be in a TV show, isn't there? There is too much. Yeah. I think maybe too much. Eke it out into a series maybe, but... Uh... I yeah. think what I saw was that it was going to be a Tales of the Crypt movie, like Demon Knight. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Demon Knight's a great film. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Well, so, this was actually kind of cushioned in between Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. Like, Robert Zemeckis went from this to do Bordello of Blood, which is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but for our cast, so we have Michael J. Fox is the lead as Frank Bannister. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trini Alvarado as Lucy Linsky, Peter Dobson as Ray Linsky, uh, John Astin as the judge, Jeffrey Coombs as Milton Dammers, Dee Wallace as Patricia Bradley, Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett, Chi McBride as Cyrus, and Jim Fife as Stuart. Yep. Okay, so let's get into uh, our plot rundown then. So, I mean, the first thing that absolutely beats you over the head is that it does open with a Danny Elfman score. It yeah, is the has... most Danny Elfman to ever Danny Elfman. I think I, I, I think Danny Elfman has been more Danny Elfman. Like, at times I'm like, oh, this is Danny Elfman. And then sometimes I forget. I think it's very subtle, Danny Elfman, and, uh, until I, it's not. Yeah, I heard that that first little intro. I went, oh, is this, is this, I thought it was Peter Jackson. Is this not a Tim Burton film? <laughs> oh, this yeah. this this could have been a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, it's, it it immediately sets that sort of tone, doesn't it? That that in between oh, sure. quirky, spooky horror comedy sort of tone. Uh, but with that music, we sort of see a woman running through an old. Uh, I mean, it just looks like a haunted house, doesn't it? Yeah, and she's being chased by. Uh, I'm going to call it the Wall Ghost. 
uh, which is a very nice effect. Uh, if you've seen the the poster for the movie, it's it's basically that but bigger. Yeah, and got a very nice uh, effect on this. I thought with the way that it interacts with uh, with the props as well. So it you know, moves along the wall, knocks over the bookcases. I thought it was just nicely blended. And again, with you know. Back to what I said about CGI, that blending of the practical and the CGI. What's my thing? Is again, I think it works mostly in this movie. Yeah, I this think is a, this is a great scene to showcase this. Yes, definitely. And uh, so yeah, the the ghost uh, chase chases this uh, this lady through the house, uh, through various uh, rooms. Uh, goes through a table at one point, and. Eventually, it becomes a carpet and grabs hold of the uh, grabs hold of the woman. But out comes an old lady with a shotgun, shoots the uh, the carpet, and the ghost escapes and flies off. And then we see the movie is called The Frighteners. Yep. Uh, cut to a newspaper office, and we get a nice little bit of exposition, uh, which is a journalist talking to uh, his editor and talking about a string of mysterious deaths uh, people are scared and the town's been a- living under a bit of a cloud since uh, previous killings which they call the bartlett murders this is a mag though isn't it the um the newspaper editor it is lady. yeah she's new zealand uh, she's from new zealand because obviously um uh, this movie was shot in new zealand like they, uh, they wanted to shoot in America or have that hometown thing, but Peter Jackson really wanted to be set in, well, shot in New Zealand. That's a surprise. And, <laughs> well, 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 well Peter Jackson, surely not. It does. Like, I, see, I thought it got, kind of felt uh, felt a bit British, actually, a little bit British. Oh, interesting. Whitby, uh, specifically. <laughs> as a, Shout as a out to Whitby. <laughs> There you go, Mark. I said nice things about Yorkshire now and again. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, while, while we're on this sort of uh, coastal town, there, there is a funeral happening for uh, one of the deaths that they just mentioned. And so while the funeral is going on, we see Michael J. Fox arrive for the uh, the first time, and he starts handing out business cards for his business as a psychic investigator. Uh, he shooed off to his, uh, his car because obviously that's a very distasteful thing to do. I do uh, like the bit where um, he's, he's being pushed away and told to bugger off and he just throws all the cards yeah. up into the air. Just like, and fuck the lot of you. He's basically done his job doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he drives away in a shitty little beetle car which uh, is driven very erratically and in the, while he gets distracted picking up some more cards he swerves to avoid a lorry and crashes into someone's lawn through a fence. And this is when we meet Ray, who uh, comes out and is a ball of fury uh, because someone has ruptured his lawn, in his words. So I found out some interesting information about, because I I was like, oh, Peter Dobson, surely I must know him from something. You know, he's got a real presence about himself. And um, I looked it up and uh, he actually played... Uh, interestingly, he played Elvis in Forrest Gump. You know the scene near the beginning where Forrest is showing him his oh, legs? Yeah. And, yeah, he played Elvis in that and then went on to play Elvis for lots of different projects. 
Uh, yeah, I've just got his IMDb up and he even played an Elvis impersonator. In, yeah, uh, we'll see. The Ranch. Now, because obviously Robert Zemeckis was filming uh, Forrest Gump just before he went on to produce this, I think there must have been a connection and he suggested Ray Linsky to, um, Ray Linsky, Peter Dobson to, um, to be this role. And I thought he was quite fun in this movie, in all fairness. He's, uh, he's yeah, he's very loud, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, while, while they're arguing about the law, uh, very loudly. Uh, Frank just says, look, send me a bill and I'll pay it. And then as he leaves, he makes a point of running over the garden gnome, which Ray's <laughs> broken up about. And then we cut to meeting Lucy, who mm-hmm. is driving up to the house from the opening scene. And she's greeted by a cranky old lady who was the woman with a shotgun. And it, we see that it's Mrs. Bradley. And that Lucy's going there because she's a doctor and she's seeing uh, patients on behalf of the usual, uh, which doesn't sit well with Mrs. Bradley. Uh, she meets Patricia, uh, who is the woman from the open, the other woman from the opening scene. And she treats a large cut that she gets on the hand, which we saw uh, in the opening, and as well as marks on the neck. And she's concerned about her well-being. And, but Mrs. Bradley say, doesn't like this, shoes her off and says that she's going to be kept in the house. She's not to be trusted and can she can have Patricia locked up at any time. And she says that she was an accessory after the fact, but Mrs. Bradley knows the truth and it was actually cold-blooded murder. So is this either of yours first time watching this movie? So I saw this... Uh, while Lord of the Rings was was about, so you know, like twenty years ago now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then only just revisited it now. So rewatching this, uh, all I wanted to know is that was there any reason that we didn't? But like, did they want us to think that the mother was the bad guy? Because there was nothing in that opening sequence that made me think the mother was the bad guy. Yeah, uh, I, I, this is my first watch. Um, hmm. And I didn't, and I don't think I had any opinion of it at this point about what about what was going on. Aside from, you know, the clearly whatever the bad ghost was was attached to the woman. Um, I sort of no opinion of it really. But I mean, they they do just sell the mother as the bad guy. Yeah, like they they do the whole. Oh, is she abusing you? And then. The mother's not doing anything to help the situation. We're like, I'll lock her up and she's this and she's evil. And it's like, yeah, but we know that she, the mum's not a bad guy because we've seen the ghost. So yeah, why, we saw her shoot the carpet. So like they either should have done something different with the opening or not gone on with this storyline to make us think, oh, wait, is the mother involved? We know the mother's not involved. Yes, yeah, so I suppose it, it kind of makes sense with the uh, sort of the characters within the film. Mm. Um, it does sort of, it leaves us imagining their state rather than Sean, like you said. So yeah, it is a bit of a, a strange decision to uh, to move that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after, uh, yeah, after Lucy shooed off, it cuts to Lucy watching TV in bed. And it's news footage of the uh, the previously mentioned Barclay shootings, where twelve people were killed in a psychiatric hospital rampage. And uh, while we see that it shows Bartlett being taken away 
uh, as part of the uh, the court case, and he says that he got a score of twelve, which is one more than Starkweather. And- so, I, I say I also found out about this scene is that this was actually the fun day for the staff and crew because they all got to dress up and be extras in this black and white footage, like the camera operators and all the people behind the scenes. They're all like roles in this, and some of them even got speaking parts. This is kind of like a Peter Jackson thing to do to us and kind of like make sure that everyone gets to have fun on the set and they do at least a one big day thing for it. And this was theirs. I suppose that's better than making them all orcs. Yeah. <laughs> probably came a bit later. Uh, you also see, though, that Patricia Bradley, who we've just met, was in love with Bartlett and so was involved in some capacity with the, the spree. Uh, Bartlett was executed by electric chair. Um, but Bradley, uh, Patricia served time, but was was released and is now living with her mother up there in the house. Uh, while Lucy and Ray are watching telly, the uh, the bed starts to lift up, and there are other poltergeistly happenings uh, going on. Uh, a few little bits. I think the one I enjoyed the most was that there's a uh, a dead chicken uh, ready for putting in the oven starts walking down the corridor uh, with a torch behind it to cast a big silhouette. <laughs> they, they even do the floating Elvis thing, which again, is a reference from Ray Linsky. Uh, yeah, he can't get away from it, can he? No, so they, he loves the king. No. There was a spat in the 90s where they kept making Elvis is not dead jokes. I feel like I've seen like a dozen of those in 90s movies. Well, I've, I've not seen the new film yet, so... Yeah, maybe they'll we'll find the truth there. Oh, I hope Ray Linsky. Uh, I keep calling him Ray Linsky. We'll say uh, Peter Dobson uh, is in that. He deserves to be. <laughs> well, uh, after his IMDb, I, I don't think he is, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but after the uh, to the poltergeistly happenings, uh, they find the business card for for Frank, for one of the ones from the funeral earlier. And they call him, but uh, Ray is very clearly not happy about that. Uh, it cuts to uh, Frank arriving at the scene and he just drives through the fence again. Just a <laughs> nice little touch. Uh, he tells the uh, the couple that he can do a clearance, but, you know, it will be expensive. It's called after midnight and, uh, you know, the other uh, costs. But, you know, if you just forget about the fence, he'll call it quits. Uh, so he agreed to that. And he pulls out. Well, what is it, basically a toaster, shoots a bit of holy water around, and then the toaster spits out a sachet of what he calls ectoplasmic uh, beings and basically offers to let them keep it, but they don't want it, so he puts it in the garbage disposal. And that's uh, quite enough for Ray. So he ushes uh, Frank out, and... While Frank looks at him, he sees a glowing number 37 in Ray Ho- Ray's forehead. And then we see the wall ghost again. So next scene, uh, Frank pulls up to uh, to his unfinished house and we meet Cyrus and Stuart, who, uh, who are ghosts. And we see that they've been uh, responsible for the, uh, the haunting that was just there. So basically find out officially that Frank's a con man. Uh, but he's not happy with the work. They didn't slam the toilet seat. They didn't lift the table up. And they're not happy with him because uh, they don't have much job satisfaction. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little what, industrial what, dispute going on. What do they get out of this job again? 
Well, they say and they say what they want, don't they? On cigars and, and stuff then he that just, they have no physical use for. Yeah, and they, and he still declines that. He's still like, I'm not going to give you a cigar. He's like, well, blow in my face. He's like, no, what's that? It will make me feel ill. It's like they're doing all this stuff. They're make, they're giving you free money basically, and you won't even. What what do they the ghosts get out of this? Just they're bored and they just need something to do. It's the best answer I got. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you want to be happy in your job, don't you, I suppose? Yeah, but what's I'll say? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's better than nothing, but also if I was a ghost and I was like, okay, I have to just go do these things for Michael J. Fox. Like, I, I guess I've got nothing else going for me, I guess, but what? But I, I really like these guys. I think also like they, I think they don't get enough action in this movie. Like all three actors, I thought they had a lot of fun uh, things going on for them. Well, the yeah. So the the third uh, we mentioned there is the mm. judge who who just who comes in at this scene uh, and John Astin. Yeah, starts walking and shooting up the place. The original Gomez Adams. Really? really? Okay. Yeah, back in the TV show, he played Gomez Adams. And uh, he was actually, uh, for all of those B-horror movies out there, he was uh, in the, the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes as well. So, uh, yeah, so good good casting then that, you know, for, for this kind of film. The In the, the bloopers, Michael J. Fox kept flubbing his lines when it came to this character. Because the character's the judge. He's an old, wise, friendly figure to him and Michael Jake Fox accidentally kept calling him Doc. Yeah, little cook in the Pony Express, huh, Doc? Whoa! I call him Doc. It's fucking bad. That shit. Hey, boys! Free Doc! Doc, I did it again. <laughs> it's, there's some, like, I love the one where he's shouting it. It's the the best one <laughs> but uh yeah so as he's uh so we, we do meet judge who uh so he basically he's old and he's struggling a bit and uh he's, as he puts it his ectoplasm's all dried up yeah grim and then next we see uh frank walks out to the mail and finds that the bank are foreclosing on what is supposed to be the house mm-hmm. and he needs fifteen thousand dollars and tells the uh, the ghost it's time to get scary. So they uh, scope out a rich woman's house. Cyrus and uh, Stuart go in, and uh, they cause a ruckus using the babies, who uh, are actually able to see them as well, which uh, it must just be because they are indeed babies. And one of them is uh, Peter Jackson's son. Okay. Yeah, oh, I've got all the facts on disgusting, it. isn't it? It is. We'll say, you know, just all these directors hiring their kids. Ugh. Makes you sick. Yeah, his wife writes the film and then gets her husband <laughs> to direct. It's shocking stuff. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, they, they cause a ruckus and then say like the uh, the last time Frank goes uh, to follow up and uh, and do the clearance. Uh, when he gets there, uh, the woman in question uh, just basically has a newspaper which is calling Frank out for being a fraud. Uh, which... I'm not being funny. He's like, how do you still explain the kids? Like yeah, you, it's, the kids flew into your arms. It's still a haunting. It, just because he's in control of it doesn't mean that it's not a haunting. Yeah, uh, like I don't... Mate, you, you could probably <laughs> arrest him for say, making ghosts in your house, but 
And I mean, how can you arrest him for that? You know, you prove yeah, it. You have to now prove ghost exists and all the rest of that. But yeah, like, what what do you do? It's like, yeah, I won't pay you. It's like, well, okay, then I'm just going to keep these ghosts here and they're going to keep fucking around and what's ruining your life. Pay me 15 grand and I won't do that. Like, there's ways around this. You just have to be a bit more. Well, I mean, really, you just, just completely leave the scene out, wouldn't you? It's, yeah. It doesn't serve any other purpose than just it some light really relief. It really doesn't. Yeah, it just, it just wants to let them go to Magda and also have that confrontation. Yeah, so yeah, he, he does go there right next. And, and again, it's quite piecemeal. They don't really say much, but uh, he storms out and bumps into Peter Jackson himself. Yep. And so he sees that he's wearing a, a T-shirt with the Grim Reaper on. And then he sees a hearse and lots you of... Know, he doesn't see a hearse. The hearse runs him over. Like, well, he's yeah. halfway <laughs> across the road. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand, hey, maybe a bit of you know, awareness. You're crossing the road and there's a funeral dirge or some coming up. But it doesn't mean that the funeral hearse should just run into him like that. That's insane. Yeah, like, well, get out of the way. We're moving dead people. Maybe they just didn't want to, uh, to have to worry about him turning up to the funeral with business cards. Yeah, it's like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> but yeah, after, after he does get run over, he gets run <laughs> over again because the ghost of Ray runs into him and uh, knocks him over. And yeah, they, they have a, a bit of a chat and we find that Ray died uh, while he was on a rowing machine and just felt something like a grip on his heart that just pressured it and uh, stopped it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they convinces Frank to drive to Ray's funeral. And so we go to the cemetery and so we see another sort of pointless scene really, but also a bit more enjoyable. And uh, we see Arlie Emery basically mm. just doing the full metal jacket thing again, but as a ghost. Well, they, they actually was trying to find an Arlie Ermy type. And then they were like, should we just ask Arlie Ermy? I mean, he's going to say no, but we should ask him anyway. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. It's like, oh, fucking awesome. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but I have the question is why is this the only ghost that has like Looney Tunes powers? The only ghost so far. Yes. <laughs> we, we, get, we get some Looney Tunes stuff later, but like he literally could just like, cool, I'm just going to bring out some guns and then turn my hand into a boxing glove. And it's like, where were you? We could use more ghosts like him, surely. Where's well, I'm going to headcanon this one and say that he's on a tour of duty that's got another 85 years. So I think he he's sent down there. Yeah. Right. Okay. He, I so think he's, he's like given guardian. powers as a result. That's oh, That like would that. be my headcanon. Like okay, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with this. So yeah, that's why I vaguely thought the other ghosts were helping Michael J. Fox because so they weren't stuck in a graveyard because it seems like the other ghosts have to do as they're told and stay where they are that's because of because of this dude that that, that's that actually makes a lot of sense and i like that canon for this story and kind of disappoints me that there isn't a sequel because now that ali ermi's character is gone it's like all these ghosts now are going to be free to explore the town and what does that look like yeah well, you did say you wanted sequels for all films. I did. Yeah, so they do go to the funeral, and Ray is watching his own funeral. Uh, he's calling it a tragedy. And <laughs> so you see, obviously, people saying nice things about him would have no reason to lie at a time like this. 
and uh, eventually he falls into a grave and then we see the coffin laid on top of him and he sees his own corpse on it uh, again so a nice nice little bit i like the cgi with the ghosts because what they do is they shoot the two scenes separately and uh on a blue screen i think and, uh they just have to interact with each other without being there and then they time that so well i think it's, most of the time it is quite a nice effect isn't it it's sort of uh i say certainly for the mid 90s i think mm. it's like you, you never you never really think that uh, it's hard to sort of say it because the, the ghosts of course they look out of place but they don't look too out of place if, if that makes any sense at all well you, you i think around this same time we also had casper and obviously casper being much more of a cartoony looking ghost but you could really tell in those movies like yeah they're talking to special effects but this one is really hard to spot when Muslim it's like oh yeah it was like that was maybe a bit awful we weren't keeping eye contact but generally they do a really solid job with that mm. and yeah so after uh, the fall into the grave uh, we meet Sheriff Perry who uh, goes over to speak to Frank and he basically tells him that, you know, you were the, the last person to see Ray alive. And you had know, a bit of an argument with him and also confirms to Frank about uh, how these people are being killed. He says basically they look like heart attacks, but their arteries are clear and it just looks as if their heart was crushed. Yeah, he gives out too much information. That's if you're talking to someone which you're already kind of labeling as a suspect, you don't want to be saying stuff like that, do you? It's like, hey, look, also, we, we, we know how they're killing them. So, like, oh, well, I won't kill them like that anymore. It's like, what? It's like, no, no, yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing like that. You, you, would be, <laughs> you would expect the character to be smarter than that, wouldn't you? I think, like, he, I think because of their history, like, he instinctively trusts him and keeps going to bat for him throughout the movie. And again, it would be nice to have that relationship, that kind of like dynamic between these two kind of like play out a bit more. But this character is very incidental with the story and just kind of like transitional. Well, we're going to also see another character that just mm. trusts Frank uh, completely and doesn't really have anything to say about the yeah, mounting this... evidence against him. Oh, I have issues with this. So, yeah, so he, uh, Lucy speaks to him and basically asks him if uh, he has a message from Ray. And Frank says that you know, Ray loves her very much. And then they just go on a date. Yeah. Within hours of a husband's funeral, it seems. Now, again, I can buy into, oh, she's going to speak to a psychic investigator. And Muslim, she trusts him already because of the haunting that she just received in the house. There was a real turnaround for that funeral as well, if I might add. Like that, I don't know how much time in between, but... Yeah, they they, they buried him quick. Well, they, they, they say that around. Ray made the... Uh the reservation for the restaurant that they go to. So that's <laughs> not, not a long time, is it? No, really is not. I do like this whole, it's kind of reminds me of the, the movie ghost where we'll say it's like them trying to communicate through a third person and Ray just losing his call. When was it like, where's that? Where's the money? Like, oh shit. I lost it. Don't tell her that. Please don't tell her that. Well, we'll uh, we'll so we'll get to that bit in a moment. Just just before that bit on the date, uh, mm. 
Frank tells Lucy that he was in a car accident five years ago and the, the trauma left him to be able to see ghosts, basically. Yeah. And that, that's when so she asks what Ray did with the money. He says that he lost it on a bad investment. Uh, don't tell her that, but he does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Ray gets uh, gets angry and he swipes out and uh, knocks a bottle of, uh, sorry, knocks a glass of wine all over Frank. Uh, so he goes into the bathroom to clean himself off and he sees a chap come in and this bloke has the number 38 in his forehead. Yeah. And so while... Uh, is doing his business. The uh, the wall ghost comes back again, uh, reaches into the man's chest through a mirror, and it looks like the Grim Reaper. Uh, yeah, we, we get to see it now. Also, like you know, before was it was all you know the pushing of the wall kind of look, but then when it comes out, also, you actually get to see it in full view. Yeah, he uh, yeah, it comes out properly, and it is. It's Imagine sort of the Grim Reaper from a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Uh, it looks yeah. just like that. <laughs> I'm not sure how much I like the design. Like it's it's fine. And we'll say it's, like uh, a bit shiny for me. Yeah, and we'll say the thing is is that I like it until the third act reveal of who it, who it actually is because I like the idea of you know Final Destination style. Oh, this is just a Grim Reaper and he's just going out for business on his own. But that's really cool. But then it's like, no, this is just a costume for this character. So, oh, that's not as good. That's yeah. That's kind of shame. Yeah, it's basically in the costume just so they can have a reveal later, isn't it? Yeah, they can they can solve a, a quasi who done it. Exactly. Uh, but yep. So Frank sees this, and yeah, he goes to uh, to follow the ghost, which we see outside. Uh, legging it and then frank goes after it mm-hmm. uh, we see the uh, the police arrive at the scene and then again they, they basically mention you know frank was the the last person here the last one to see him alive and he legged it as soon as it happened and so yeah the police uh then start talking to lucy and uh, then we meet milton dammers and the movie is saved I'm going to go completely the opposite way on this one. <laughs> really? Oh, no. I spent this entire film seeing him and just going, that, wow, they, they really couldn't afford Jim Carrey, could they? Oh, how dare you insult Jeffrey Combs like that? It's, yeah, I thought it was a, a very, it was, I'd say, I'd say not the uh, necessarily the actor, but the, the character I thought was was just, unnecessary and, and I, I don't think I cared from any point I see I, I yeah I absolutely love this character again like it's this weird second antagonist this kind of like plot driving because you can't just have the ghost being the plot well you could you can absolutely have the, the ghost being the main plot but you need a, a another threat within that is more corporeal for this and having this character come in and with all these weird characteristics and they're they're almost cartoonish but i think that was supposed to be the point like this so this yeah, movie was a comic relief be, character isn't it yeah like listen well, so it's supposed to be a pg-13 and peter jackson really struggled to get it down to a pg-13 and to the point where they just he stopped caring and just made it an r so i think there's a lot of stuff that you can see being oh this was supposed to be a family movie with some of these weird characters you know you've got like this weird 
1970s disco guy or this, you know, nerdy ghost and the sheriff ghost and, you know, the, the, the dog running around. And, you know, Jeffrey Combs was in plays this character, like, he is, like, if this was a family movie, if this was like a, you know, Return to Wallstar thing, this would be the character that people talked about. It's like, oh, do you remember watching that as a kid? That scared the hell of me. That weird guy, the weird Hitler-looking guy with the ears <laughs> and the hemorrhoids. Like, just, yeah, I thought he was so much fun. Well, I think we'll uh, say we'll, we'll we'll carry through and we'll let Mark mm-hmm. the casting vote towards the end. Yeah. I think. Uh, but he does he does do probably the most important thing he does in the whole film, <laughs> and he gives us the exposition uh, on who Frank was. Uh, he says he was an architect who's building his dream house, which obviously we've seen and is in disrepair. And he got into an argument with his wife uh, because he put a basketball court down where he said he'd put a garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they argued. And Michael J. Fox has weird long hair for some he reason. He does for some reason, yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, but they, uh, they drove off together into the hills and the car left the road. And then later on, uh, they found uh, her body uh, just yards from the car while Frank was wandering around uh, with, with no memory of what happened, allegedly. Mm. Uh, there was a Stanley knife which he used to keep in the car, uh, but that's been missing ever since. And the his wife's forehead had a number thirteen carved into it. And then, yeah, it cuts to uh, say Frank. Uh, well, sorry, it's, it's a ghost talking uh, amongst themselves uh, about what they what they've seen. Whether the thing that they've seen is the real Grim Reaper uh, or, or say just something else. And then we see a sort of a bright light shoot out in the distance, uh, which we learn is uh, so a death and a, a ghost ascending to uh, to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they rush to the scene and it's the uh, Egyptian museum uh, exhibition. And Michael J. Fox sees a ghost with the number 37 carved into his, uh, his forehead. And then... Which was the uh, photographer from the first funeral. Yep. And then we see Magda, who has the number, sorry, it's number 39 in his forehead. And then we see Magda, who's the editor, and we see that she's got the number 40 in her forehead. Uh, He basically tells her, you're next, Uh, which she very reasonably construes as a threat. I'll not be funny. Is that someone else died that had nothing to do with him because he just turned up and he's like, you're next. Like, don't get me wrong. Also, yeah, it does sound like a threat, but how do you tie him to that murder? Because he wasn't there. Well, I would say that, but then the police show up, and for all intents and purposes, it does look like he was. Yeah. Uh, but they, uh, they have a, uh, a bit of a standoff, and but then uh, the Grim Reaper arrives again. Uh, about to... Uh, to do his thing until the judge comes in and he just starts blasting. Yeah, start blasting. Takes a takes a few shots out of him. Uh, it's a Grim Reaper skits away, and then we and we then... we get a horny gut judge moment. Yeah, we do. Oh, he gets God. horny and he so sees a mummy, uh, knocks over the sarcophagus, and then all you good see good teeth. Is... Apparently, he's into teeth. Yeah, and. We just see some 
ghost nope. buttocks sticking in and out of a sarcophagus <laughs> up and down. PG-13. This movie was supposed to be PG-13. Yeah, he also says that he likes it when they lie still like that. And I just, this very <laughs> creepy and gross, isn't it? This bit. Yeah, let's remind ourselves of Peter Jackson's earlier work with Bad Taste and Brain Dead. So, yeah, this this fits in with that kind of style of Peter Jackson thing. How did it make the cut in this movie? I don't know. It's not silly enough to be in a kid's movie and it's not funny enough to be in an adult movie. It's just a weird moment, which I just really hate. Yeah, um, I'm completely with you on that. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, have you ever seen like Sounds Like a Tangent? You know those clips of like sitcoms where they take out the laugh track and it's just everyone stands still for a second while the laugh track's going, but it's just creepy that no one's doing anything. Yeah. What are the police doing while the <laughs> It's like Frank's standing there with his hands up. The police are just standing still while the ghosts are doing all these things. It's like they're not talking, they're not moving closer, they're not trying to arrest him, they're just standing there waiting for the ghosts to finish their larks. Yeah, I think let's move on as quickly as possible from this, <laughs> I think. Uh, but they do say the cops do eventually start shooting. Hmm. And so yeah, I did like this bit, I thought it was very good with uh, with Cyrus and Stuart using uh, a mummy as, as a puppet. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed yeah, I thought it was fun, but I think this whole museum scene is really paced. It's just the pacing is just so weird throughout. It is, yeah, it is a bit uh, a bit strange. Uh, but it does come to a head, though, doesn't it, when uh, mm. death comes back and he, and he cuts Judge in half. Which also leaves me the big question is what what really happens with these with these ghosts? Like, how do they die? How do you kill a ghost? <laughs> yeah, like, are, are they, they established that that exists when you first meet the judge and he comes in and shoots uh Stuart, I think his name was, uh, and it's like you see all the ectoplasms coming out of his cheek. Now that's a headshot. It's like, yeah, well, like they establish ghosts can kill other ghosts. Uh just for some reason, if you happen to have a ghost weapon, which it doesn't make sense. What's yeah, because I mean weapon? the judge did shoot up the Grim Reaper and he was fine. <laughs> yeah, and we'll say it's it, it's Look, also, I think it is very much like, look, just enjoy the ride, but then you, you're killing the, these characters off. Now, like, Judge in the original edit does not die. We'll see, he just turns up later with just half a body. But for timing and pacing reasons, they just, just like, no, they just, he's dead. Just let's not bring him back. Can't be asked. Yeah, it's but, also, earlier we spoke to Ray and he said, like, in about a year, you're going to get the chance to, to go to heaven again. And, yeah, that's also like a, a is that what threat. happens if you get killed? Do you get that choice again? Does it just accelerate it? What yeah. do you and just like, become nothing? And obviously skipping ahead of to Tad, what's about they go up to heaven? What's like they you see them in heaven at the end of the movie? It's like, oh, so you can kill a ghost and it will just go to heaven. Why why isn't the ghost just killing each other and going to heaven then? And also, why isn't the judge there with those two at the end? Well, again, original script. He was supposed to be alive, and wasn't they just cut because of t- pacing reasons? So yeah. that's why the judge wasn't there. But also, the judge would be going to hell. Like he came from Boston. <laughs> he did some. He did. Yeah, some he did that horrible shit. thing to. Uh, yeah, he to he the banged a corpse. He deserves to go to hell. Yeah. Okay, that answers that question at least. <laughs> uh, but Magda is is still there, and mm. 
so Frank uh, grabs her, kid, essentially kidnaps her. And so he drives off, pursued by death. And he basically has a flashback of uh, when he was driving with a wife earlier and basically causes the same car crash again. Like, uh, does he have like a death wish? Is that like established and I just haven't, didn't remember this? Just a, just a very bad driver, I think. Yeah, it must be because like you killed your wife in a car crash and then first scene we see him in, he's driving like a lunatic and crashes into someone's house. I'm like, do you want to die? Like we, we, we established a, like this should be traumatic for you. And you're like, no, we'll see. Doesn't say that he wants to die until later on in the movie, but like, yeah, just, it's a weird character choice for him to be such a reckless driver. I think. Yeah. Sorry, go on, Mark. I think he's just not asked about being alive. I think that's more like he's he's not wanting to die, but if he dies, I, he, if he dies, he dies. Especially for him knowing that if he dies, he's probably going to he knows his wife. He knows there's an afterlife and, you know. I guess he doesn't want to kill himself because he, he knows ghosts exist and we'll see yeah. there might be some established rules that, oh, you will go to hell if you kill yeah. yourself. So he's like, if I drive really, really badly, I'm not technically killing myself. So do I get to go to heaven? <laughs> Who's to say? Well, we'll have to ask Peter Jackson at some point. Yeah, we'll refer <laughs> him a DM. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, Magda does survive the car crash, uh, but mm. not much for longer because uh, Grim Reaper boy comes up and just just offs her like he does with the rest of them. Yeah. And yeah, this leaves Frank to turn himself into the police uh, to, to, to arrest himself because obviously he's a lot of people dying around him. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he, he tells Lucy he just doesn't give a shit about her. Uh, he's very clearly just trying to get her away from him so that she's uh, she's not in the firing line. Uh, and then he's interviewed by Milton and he basically says, Frank, you killed 28 people. Uh, for the eagle-eyed among you will realise that Magda was the 40 so there are 12 deaths that are unaccounted for in his reckoning and he says that he's uh, stopping heart psychically uh, Frank <laughs> it's tells such him, a great scene <laughs> yeah he tells him you know, I, I don't kill people but Milton's not having any of it and he lays out all the killings that we've seen and he links Frank very reasonably again to all of them and then must have uh Frank's just staring at me. He's like, what, what are you doing? You're trying to trying to do it now, aren't you? <laughs> Good luck. And he just whips open his chest and he's gone. Oh, he's I don't know how you can't enjoy this. I, I like don't this. Uh, I don't understand what's a lead vest supposed to do. <laughs> I don't know, but he's mad, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and he has that great line. It's like, what about the guy in the in the toilet? What did he do? Piss on your hush puppies. I just <laughs> Oh, Jeffrey Combs is having so much fun with this. Uh, yeah, after the uh, the interview, though, Cyrus and Stu uh, visit Frank to uh, say to basically bust him out, but he's he's depressed. He's not having any of it. And uh, Milton is watching him, and he, he says that the case will likely be a suicide because uh, they always are. Actually, I thought that was a I thought it was a really gross and and bad spirited bit of the film, yeah. actually. The, there, there's a few bits in this movie that I don't know what 
cut it would have been in if this was a PG-13 would that have been in there I don't think it would because I think it's just a really gross line mm. I think it just makes for a, just a very very horrible character that you just like again expecting like, that and not having any problems with it yeah like there's this stuff about that character that I'm not a huge fan of and I can understand why you would dislike this character. And I, it's, the character's supposed to be dislikable, but I think when that character's on form, it's so much fun. This is not a fun moment. And later, there's a few bits that are just like, yeah, you've, the writing, I think, really hurt. Yeah. I love this. It was, the, the, it was badly, the tone was not together on this movie. Uh, so we'll move on swiftly from it. And uh, it cut to Lucy, who's visiting Frank's house. And we see that he's planted a garden where the basketball court uh, used to be. And we also see that uh, that the plan for when he conned them earlier. Mm. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't care about that. Uh, the phone rings and it's Mrs. Bradley uh, calling. Uh, she says that Patricia's communicating with the evil one again. Um, I guess kind of what we said earlier about whether, you know, establishing whether we think that she's a, a villain. I guess she does kind of give off sort of Carrie's mum vibes. Yeah, I'll uh, give you that for sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I kind of, I do see it with the, again, like we said, your know, character's perspective. We we do know better, but they, they do a good job of making the, the characters feel that she's the villain. Uh but again, we've seen her fight that ghost. Like, again, yeah, it, yeah. Like, it's like if Carrie's mum was like fighting ghosts to protect Carrie, and then we'd be like, yeah, she's she's a bit balmy, but also she is also saving Carrie from ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Lucy does answer the call, though, and she, she goes to the Bradley house. Uh, but Mrs. Bradley, uh, say she's out, and, and Lucy sneaks in and uh, meets Patricia. Also, if you think your daughter's communicating with an evil spirit, probably keep a bit of a closer eye on her. Don't just wander out and yeah, be inside the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lucy thinks that Mrs. Bradley's hurting Patricia because uh, the evidence, like we said, does kind of lean that way. Mm-hmm. And then Patricia um, says she's got an urn in the, the room and said it's a dad who committed suicide after uh, the Bartlett murders and he, he couldn't live with what uh, the court said she'd done. And then that Mrs. Bartlett sort of blamed her for the death afterwards, which it does feed into that, that narrative. And so Lucy says they've got to get Patricia out. Uh, but Mrs. Bradley arrives just in the nick of time and Lucy hides her in the closet where Lucy finds Frank's Stanley knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we see a little shot of the, uh, Say the urn that was mentioned earlier, spilling out all very ghostily. Uh, so Lucy creeps downstairs and she, uh, she says she exits. And say Ray, who uh, was in the car with her on the on the way up, comes in, tells her to get out, but is killed in quotation marks because we don't entirely know uh, by the wall ghost. And then his ghostly body is thrown and lands with a thud on the uh, on the car. Let's see. I think this is such a shame because like, I love the concept of Ray trying to be a good husband after his death. Like he's, 
like you can see that he's like oh get out of here i'm trying to try and protect you and like he's doing all these things i really like the idea of that story arc that we could have told with ray just cool uh i know how to get money i'm gonna have to do something a bit illegal but also i want to get uh lucy some money because i let her down and doing all these nice things for lucy after his death i think would have been a really cool storyline and just like nah i wasn't just gonna kill him now and just done yeah. okay i guess fine yeah so lucy does drive off and she visits frank and she tells him about the knife and basically saying you know you're exonerated uh but he's wallowing and then lucy essentially bollocks him for it mm-hmm. and so frank says that he doesn't want to hurt anyone uh they hurt her specifically uh so they patch things up and they have a hug and then we see that Lucy gets the number 41 on her forehead. Uh, so the uh, the Grim Reaper blasts through the wall, starts uh, doing the heart jobby on Lucy. Then uh, Cyrus and Stuart come in uh, in the nick of time and start fighting uh, death. But the Grim Reaper gets them. Uh, yeah. Frank and Lucy escape. Uh, Frank really doesn't care, doesn't seem to care that much that his friends just died. I mean, maybe he knows that they're he knows what we are speculating on <laughs> that yeah, they're uh, perhaps going to a better place. Uh, but so Frank and Lucy do escape though. So the sacrifice was, was worth it. Yeah. But also like he, he's putting all this effort to save Lucy that he's known for what a week. Is that, Oh, my friends, my ghost friends that I've known for years are dead and I'm never probably going to see them again. But this chick, no, I've got to save her. And you stick to what you've got at least. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to like his ghost friends anyway. No, not really. Well, no. I mean, bosses, don't they? Don't really care about you. No, yeah, true. <laughs> Your job advertisement will be up there before your obituary. <laughs> Literally, in this case. <laughs> but so when they they make their escape, Milton Milton is there as Milton always is. Uh, but Lucy uh, blasts him with a fire extinguisher, and then they bolt. Oh, you don't know. You forgot the bit where he kicks him in the stomach so hard that his gun flies up in the air and catches it. Oh, yes. Sorry. I did. <laughs> it comes very important for the next bit. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. Uh, so, yeah, Frank has the gun and he says he can't fight the, uh, the spirit in question. So he needs to have an out of body experience and basically threatens to, uh, to shoot himself in order to do so. Was uh, so. He was so quick to that, wasn't he? If you're. That desperate, I, I genuinely couldn't think of a quicker way to it. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, but it was like he must have been sitting there thinking about it for a while because otherwise it's just like, right, what do I need to do to save Lucy? Only just finding out that Lucy's got this number. It's like, right, what do I need to do? Well, I need to kill myself. Lucky I got this gun. Wow. Do you think he was trying to uh, to fight club it? So sort of shoot yeah. himself in the head, but not quite badly enough. I'm hoping so because that was like. And again, like we find out in this scene, because what's him? Uh, oh, when we get to it, what's in that? He, yeah, uh, what's he doesn't kill himself. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I'm, I'm talking myself out of this. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, they, set, they decide to uh, settle against it, and yeah, they 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 f- decide to have an out of body experience. So Lucy freezes Frank in the uh, the cryogenic area of the hospital, and he becomes a ghost. Hmm. But this is the scene where I was about to mention. It's that huge light in the sky. He gets to go to heaven. He gets to see his wife. And he's like, 
Nah, Lucy. Again, she's known her for like a week. He's like, you could go to heaven right now and see your wife, something that you want to do. And yeah, I suppose it's the saving the cat moment, but he doesn't give it a second thought. He sees it and he just moves off. Like, I wanted to see a little bit more, like maybe even hear his wife's voice and him being like, I really want to go, but I've got to do the right thing. He's just like, nah, fuck heaven. Got to save this, you know, this chick I just met. Isn't under the assumption, though, that he wants to save more than just her? He's trying to stop this thing from killing everybody. Yeah. And we'll say, obviously, this, from what we know, is that this ghost is doing the, the number thing that he saw on his wife's head. So, you know, he wants to get revenge first, I suppose. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. But we'll say, just, man, we'll say, it just seems like such weird decisions, one after another, so quickly. And just, it gave me a bit of a head spin. I was like, okay. <laughs> Cool, he's a ghost now, whatever. Let's just, let's carry on. Yeah, I'll be a ghost for a while longer. Because mm-hmm. uh, Milton arrives, uh, he pulls an Uzi, which I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, pulls an Uzi on Lucy, uh, locks her up in a car, drives off to the cemetery and basically says that uh, we'll, we'll leave in 11 hours when we know he's dead. Uh, meanwhile, Frank finds uh, the Grim Reaper as a ghost and they have a bit of a scuffle. Uh, but yeah, Milton takes uh, Lucy to the cemetery, which we just said. And we're it's at this point that sort of we glimpse a swastika on his hand, and he tells her that he was uh, knew the Manson family and was a sex slave for them, and also suffered a lot at uh, the hands of various cults with his work. And then he goes a bit insane and starts saying that the power of the mind's absolute. And the car starts moving, but it turns out it's just the ghost Frank. There's a weird little mutter that he does just before the car moves that always makes me laugh. And I swear to God, we'll say he's really putting everything into this. You can't argue that he's not giving everything into this. I think you are. I think you are actually winning me around. You're making me like a lot of stuff less, and then turning me around on this one. And like the thing is, is that. I'm not saying that it's a good justification, but everything that he's been through for the police has driven him to this point of absolute craziness. Yeah, it's just a really fun role for him. Just a lot of bad taste stuff. Like, I don't need to know that he's a sex slave. That could have been cut. That's not a fun bit for me. Yeah. Uh, But the the scars do make for a, a pretty cool look. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so while while this is going on, uh, so they, they crash the car into it and Milton gets knocked out a little bit. And Michael J. Fox goes a bit Looney Tunes himself. Yeah. And he starts going the full Rambo, two enormous guns, and he just blows death to pieces. And so it's got a, a little face on it, uh, which turns out to be uh, Johnny Bartlett. No, uh, beautiful Jake Boosie. With it, with his massive, massive teeth, huge teeth. It's the the most iconic mouth in Hollywood. It, you know, it, it's genetic. You know, Gary Boosie, Jake Boosie, they both have some of the most insane faces and teeth. And God bless him for that. He he knows how to look sinister. Uh, I like. I've seen every time I see him in something. Like, oh, I love him in this. 
I think he's, <laughs> he, he's barely in anything else. Like Starship Troopers, I think Jay Brucey is great in. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of the movie Identity. Or yeah, they're, they're like the only two I think I've, um, I'm aware of him in. And I'm like, why, why wasn't he? He was also recently in Stranger Things season three, really chewed the scenery on that. So, what, what happened with Jake Brucey? Why wasn't he in things? I don't know. Someone I will needs to happily tell me. sign any petition to, uh, to get him more work. Yeah, just, <laughs> just occasional work. I'm happy to just, I'll watch some C, uh, CIS or whatever it is just to watch him in it. I'm sure it'll be fine. He's going to be fun in it. But, uh, so we, we we do see him though, and he, he does talk for the first time from beyond the grave. And it turns out he's been killing people after death, mm. and says that he's up to forty, which tallies with the uh, the numbers on the foreheads. He did uh, say he got out of hell as well, but it doesn't explain how. Again, another really cool concept that I'm like, okay, tell me more about this. So, no, just leaves it as that. <laughs> uh, then uh, we. Uh, see the the ghosts of some of the victims uh so one of them has the number 12 carved into his forehead uh, and they thank frank for giving them vengeance essentially uh mm-hmm. but it allows bartlett to uh to slip away and uh, but frank catches him and they have a bit of a a barney and then just as he's about to uh kill uh bartlett he's revived from the uh, the freeze yeah and say when he's revived he tells Lucy that Bartlett's back and say that they need to go and save Patricia uh, for some reason <laughs> I, I can only assume that they think that uh, Mrs uh, oh I've confused me, me bees now it's not Bartlett is it Bradley Bradley that's the one is uh, in, in cahoots somehow but again they're never really given any evidence for that no, yeah, it's just there's no evidence and no realistic thought process. It was just like, well, we need to go to this part of the movie now. But she does go to that part of the movie. Yes, yeah, she does. She, uh, so she says that we, they need to, to get out. And so Mrs. Bradley objects and basically Patricia takes her upstairs, uh, comes down almost immediately and says, oh, good news. She's going to go to the police. And sort of Lucy's basically says, yeah, good, let's let's go, let's get on the way. But uh, Patricia stalls and tells her that Bartlett visits her sometimes and she's, she's scared of it. Uh, but then we see Bartlett actually show up and he says he wants to kill Lucy right there and then uh, because they're getting close to John Wayne Gacy's record. Now, Dee Wallace Stone uh, in this movie would... Did you recognise her before you, uh, you see her in this? Because like I, she's, I didn't know. So like she's like ET. Uh, she's like the mum in ET, but she's also in so many amazing horror movies like uh, The Howling. I believe she's in Critters. Like she's got like a really great horror. Uh, she's in Cujo. Yeah, she's like got a really great background in horror and. They, they they wanted to have her in this movie because they wanted her to be really, oh, no, she can't be the bad guy. I Honestly, I don't remember a time watching this and not thinking, oh, no, yeah, 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 she, she's, she's a good guy. <laughs> I, I honestly was like, yeah, this don't, like, she's n- not the good guy in this. Like, we've, we've met all the good guys. 
she's going to be in on this. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's set up the whole time saying that she was already in cahoots. So and the mum says right at the beginning, she's a murderer. And yeah. we're like, okay. <laughs> Again, because you don't make the mum that much of a bad guy. It's like, okay, so why would she lie about this? And yeah, I, I just think it was a, it was an interesting idea, but also I think it was badly executed in in the actual uh, in the movie. But, yeah, well, speaking of bad executions, they uh, <laughs> grab a knife and they come out to uh, try to kill Patricia, which she does wander off and she goes upstairs and finds that Mrs. Bradley's been murdered. Um, Patricia, she'd be come- number forty-one. She would be, wouldn't she? But yeah, like Patricia kills as well. Like, I suppose the number in sequence doesn't really come up from now, though. So I guess that kind of yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we kind of I can assume that they got that right at least. <laughs> he has a great line around this time: is that uh, that you need to that the the record needs to be uh, held by an American. Yeah, there's a, a Russian cannibal saying that he's in the fifties. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it needs to be held by an American. It's like, it's obviously around this time, we also had movies like Natural Born Killers, uh, Serial Mom, this whole weird, the world, the, the country's obsessed with serial killers. And, you know, we, you know, this is off the back of the likes of Ted Bundy and all the rest of these people. It's, I think it's badly placed because obviously we only have like a few years later, the Columbine murders. It's like, yeah, we don't want to talk about a mass shooting anymore. This is an example of a movie where it's like, oh, we can't make that anymore because we shouldn't make this anymore. Yeah, but I, I do think, though, that as, as motivation for serial killers goes, I think it is actually a very good one because it's, it, it, it's pure evil, isn't it? There's yeah. nothing... It, it plays into this idea of the American love of um, serial killers being like, oh, yeah, well, I want to be the best. Because uh, like, you see all these people being lauded and what's loved. Like, America's fucking weird. But again, again the, the exceptionalism as well. That they've got to be number one, even if it's that. <laughs> yeah, and it's got to be American. We've yeah. got to do this. And I also want to shout out the idea that Jake Brucey's like, oh, yeah, I fell in... Uh, I've corrupted this 15 year old girl. He's like, you're still going to visit her when she's like in her 40s. It's like, yeah, he's still like, whether it's love, like a proper love, good for you. We'll say, you know, sticking with your girl, we'll say, after all these years, you know, you're not that much of a piece of shit, I guess. And when we know ghosts can get about, because we saw the judge earlier. Yeah. So we'll say he could be banging any kind of mummy, but he's picking this yummy mummy. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're, uh, they're having the rumble, uh, the uh, the ghost carpet tries to uh, make the kill, but Frank comes and gets to the rescue, and the soul of uh, Bartlett goes into the urn that we saw earlier, and they decide that they need to get it into the church. So they uh, they get together, try to leg it to the, uh, the hospital where the killings took place, and Patricia and we also see Milton have, has followed them. Mm-hmm. And while they're in the hospital trying to get to the uh, chapel, Frank starts uh, having visions of the original killing spree, which again I thought was a little bit pointless. Uh, yeah, and, like and we, also, we don't need, need to see, see that. that. 
Uh, but they are chased around through the chapel and uh, eventually through uh, a bit of scrapping between Patricia, Frank, Lucy and, and Milton. Uh, Milton gets the urn and he basically spills out the ashes because he still thinks that Frank's the killer and that they have no material impact. Mm-hmm. And he shoots him with the Uzi as well, just for uh, <laughs> emphasis. Again, really great moment. It's like, I've got an Uzi. <laughs> uh, but so that, that does put uh, Frank between Milton and Patricia, who comes up behind him. Mm-hmm. And Frank stumbles and falls through uh, a few floors. And Patricia shooting what we you know we assume is, is to be Frank, but because he's dropped through, she just ends up getting melted in the face. And we just see sort of the head explode and all that's left is a confused look of a ghost face there. Well, originally he was supposed to be shot in the chest and blown through a wall. Uh, but when they got told, "Oh, this is going to we not this is going to be an R movie regardless," it was like, "Screw! It, I'm going to change the uh, change the scene." And it's like, "Cool, we're going to reshoot this, and his head's going to explode." I think it's a good choice because yeah, it, it shows a, really a look on moment. his face, which is oh. great. <laughs> uh, but so when they uh, so they get down to where the so, uh, Frank has fallen to, uh, Patricia goes down and goes to shoot him, but unfortunately. Well, fortunately, she's out of ammo. Uh, so instead, she just chokes, chokes him out. Yeah. yeah, resourceful and effective. Absolutely. But it does mean that Frank has become a ghost yet again, though. And apparently, um, ghosts have this power now. Yep. Yeah, so he just drags Patricia's ghost out of the body, <laughs> which we've never seen before, but is somehow drags her to now. heaven as well. Yep. And yeah, they they all. Sent to heaven, and Bartlett goes after them, uh, grabs her back. Uh, but then, so Frank gets to heaven, and the tube that's sucking them up to heaven turns into essentially a bowel, and loads of snakes start coming out and gobbling the uh, the pair of baddies up and taking them down to hell. And it's an, an interesting effect, yeah, I thought it looked pretty cool, uh, as well, and sort of a, a, a nice. Well, it's sort of nice karma for them. Oh no, yeah, and you know this is the same, um, you know, this is the same graphic design company that would, in a few years, go and do Lord of the Rings. So you can see the building blocks of where they started. Yeah, and the other thing is that while they they're in heaven, we see that uh, Cyrus and Stuart are there, and they're all happy. And then we also see that Frank's wife is there, and then for reasons. They basically yeah. say, your time's not up, so we're going to send you back to Earth, which, again, just another... <laughs> I don't know why, but they just decided to do that just so that they can have the happy ending with Lucy. Yeah, uh, like, wife didn't even say, oh, and I want you to move on and find new love after me. She didn't say any of that. No, Cyrus just tells him to get busy living. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you mean get busy? He said, no, 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 I didn't say that. No, I know what you mean. I'm going to go bang that Lucy. Uh but he does go down and he is happy with uh, with Lucy, who we discover can now also see ghosts. And then that leaves the, the credits rolling with Don't Fear the Reaper playing. Yes. And that's it. Yes, it is. It's got... I remember it being better. So, so well, I think we'll, so we'll dive straight into the reviews. The, uh, mm. the try review effect i don't know but <laughs> so we, we've got the you know the three review uh 
classes. So we've got it's either that it's shit, we've got an ooh, that was scary, or a creative psychopath, which is the best of the bunch. So, I mean, I'll go first because I, I did the, uh, the, the rundown. I, I think I am going to stick with my original thought, which was an, an ooh, that was scary. Uh, we picked it apart quite a lot of this, and there is a lot of stuff in there that just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, bad decisions or confusing decisions have been made. But I, I, I do kind of enjoy the ride while you're in it. Uh, it is, it's also too long as well, which I think we, we probably should have mentioned. It's like half an hour too long at least. I, I agree. Well, so it's a new, new that's scary. Like there's a there's so many fun moments, and I think like if this was stuck as a PG thirteen, I think it would have been made so much better. Uh, they wanted it to be a, uh, an October release as well. Like make it a fun romp, and like don't have to kill off all of these characters. Just have these ghosts knocking about. This could have been a Men in Black, like a year before Men in Black came out, and because of the that tonal shift of being an R movie. I just, yeah, just, I think it was better in memory than actually when I rewatched it. What about you, Mark? What are you saying for this one? I fucking hated this film. <laughs> <laughs> I really hated it. I, I, it's not funny. It's not scary. It, I, not, there wasn't a single part of it that I liked, that I, that I enjoyed. Wow, um, it 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 just uh, I, I found it hard to watch. No, well, not hard to watch because I like Michael J. Fox. If I had to pick out one thing, it was, it's Michael J. Fox. Mm. Um, but I just I, I mean, apologies to anyone listening because I don't think I said much during the, <laughs> during the plot rundown at all because I, I just didn't have anything that I wanted to say about it that I thought was, you know interesting or you know because i i just couldn't stand it <laughs> um wow like so what so who that was like, scary then like the 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 ghosts are not uh, it feels like the psychic ghosts are supposed to be funny but they're not and um, and literally i thought the only bit that stood out for me which almost made it worse was that the young version of um the woman, I can't remember what she's called, the one who's the killer. Patricia Bradley. I thought she was really good. Um, and that was the only bit of the film I was like, oh, this is the film I wanted to see. Um, you know, because she looks really evil and really like she's sort of enjoying the massacre, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really, really hated it. Um, wow. So I'm going to give it the shittest of shits. <laughs> well, uh, I'm surprised. Look. Yeah. I, I must admit, and I don't know if this is it, I, I really don't like Peter Jackson. Uh, he hasn't made a film that I like. Um, so, yeah, that does include Lord of the Rings. So I don't know if I went in already hating it. <laughs> but no, I don't think I did that. I don't do that. Um, so, but no, I just I think we're relying on heavenly creatures to turn you around for it, aren't we? Then, yeah, well, so we're stuck. Like, if, if, if Lord of Rings ain't gonna sell you, no, I, I doubt Meet the Feebles are going to do it. <laughs> Actually, I think I don't mind Meet the Feebles. What? 
Uh, well, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't dislike it, but, but yeah. Go to- <laughs> uh, so, I'm so, like I say, I'm, I'm I'm sorry to anyone listening because, like I say, I really didn't say much during the plot run down because I was just like, Ugh, this movie. Well, well you're not the only one. It's... I mean, it made sorry. 60 million at the uh, the worldwide box office. It flopped hard. So you're not the only one that didn't enjoy it. No, and I, I mean, I did realize, I did re- read. Uh, yeah, I think I did read that it flopped because it wasn't marketed particularly well. Mm. Um, but um, and apparently Peter Jackson really hated the poster, which yeah. I, quite, I quite like the poster for this one. I think the poster would work better if it wasn't such a silly womp of a movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. if you if this was like focus on the really scary moments of this movie and really put that up up front, then the poster is perfect. Yeah, really great. Well, so just on the. The, the standard, the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores for it is 67 mm. and 71. So it's kind of that all right middling yeah, sort it's of territory there, isn't it? Sitting in an ooh, that's was that was scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Roger Ebert gave it one star. I even read up his review and he's scathing. Absolutely. Uh, he says, Is it better to, it's better, I think, to sit for a movie where nothing happens? Then one that, that everything happens. <laughs> yeah, I think that sums up our, our thoughts on it as well, didn't we? How much we yeah. so much of it was as confusing. I think, you know, re the way that we've spoken about it, I do think that, you know, it's right that we, <laughs> we tore it apart and that it, it was a mess. Uh I, I think logically, I probably should dislike this more, but like I say, I just I think that the less you think about it, the more you'll enjoy it. I think is probably yeah the, the way to uh, to go with this one. Just don't watch it. Oh, I, think there, I think there's two average movies colliding with itself, yeah. and if you focus on one or the other, you're like that's fine. But if you're watching this chaos of them fighting each other, you're like there's a lot going on, isn't there? Well, I think uh, yeah, I think we we've covered it all, and we can lay it to rest now. Yes. And, until oh, it becomes okay. a ghost and upsets Mark. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I will pass it back over to you then, Mark. Right, well, normally we'd go to the Facebook, but I don't think there was any um, anything. Um, so the only thing is I did tweet it out because I was so like putting it on the Facebook that I tweeted it out. Ooh. And somebody said, all I got was, ooh, good choice. Wrong. Featuring <laughs> Ali Emmy in a lesser-known role, which I guess is true. Although it is the same role that he always plays, so it's not really lesser-known, is it? Glowing reviews. <laughs> yeah, well, um, sorry, Ermy, isn't it? It's not. Uh, um, I'm sure he's not listening. No, no I think we'll, we'll be okay. Oh, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> That's what that that is what I meant. But he, if right. he was alive, I'm sure he wouldn't listen. Either. Okay, um, right. So let's just do these final two questions. So, what's a scary moment for a non-horror movie that you remember? Uh, I don't want to linger on it, but was there was this weird '90s puppet TV show for kids called Dizzy Heights, and in one episode, one of the puppets. And they were ugly spitting image puppets as well. Mm. Like not nice, fun, sooty and sweet. 
no, the ugly spear and image ones. One of the puppets goes insane and wants to eat the other people in the hotel. What? And I watched this as a kid and there was a whole Jaws scene where they had a uh, fishing hook with a jam sandwich on it. And this puppet jumps out at the screen, jump scare style, and it scared the shit out of me. And I'm sure it would still scare the shit out of me. British, cartoon, uh, British TV shows in the 90s were awful. Yeah, that does look freaky. Yeah, Dizzy Heights. Just have to Google it, look it, and then close down the window. Maybe delete your history. They will come after you. I thought you were going to say pub at first. Oh, uh, no, I remember that. That's still not nice. Pubs used to scare the shit out of me. Terrifying. Um, right, so if you could make any non-horror movie a horror movie, what would you choose? Uh, I am going to pick Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the 2000 movie was troublingly bad. And they've got a new one coming out. The trailer looks amazing. But as a D&D fan myself, there's so many great stories that can be told within that realm. So many great monsters that you can sit with. You know, whether it's uh, the lands of uh, Ravenloft and Barovia or uh, the disgusting, dirty tunnels and jungles of uh, Cholt and Tomb Annihilation. There's so many really cool stories you can tell in this world. And Dungeons & Dragons shouldn't just be a... It can be just an incredibly fun adventure bomb. But also you can tell incredibly scary movies out of this as well. Yeah, no, I mean... That makes total sense. Would you say that that's something that Stranger Things vaguely have done? No. Also, like, kind of. And also, Stranger Things, what they did is show that it could be done. Yeah. But, like, there's no uh, there's stories in there, like uh, Tomb of Annihilation, which is like an Indiana Jones-style thing, but full of monsters that want to destroy you and pull you apart, and deadly traps that also will kill you. It's like, you could tell a horror story like that. There's yeah. some really great, oh, against the nature and the wilds, but what's some like sinister is creating all of this. Yeah, like, there is, there's tracks being laid for a great horror Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, right, okay, well, that was the final slice of bread in the horror sandwich. Um, as you know, because it's a horror sandwich, I'm going to ruin it for you. And I'm going to ruin it for you by making you eat the sandwich while watching this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. um, Thanks very much for joining us on the show. I really, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank well, yeah, no, I, re- I really enjoyed the episode. I know it doesn't sound like I did, but I was just building up to a rant. You can enjoy uh, the episode, but not the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's allowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the only thing that you need to do is follow us on all the social medias. Now, I was very clever and created a link thingy. I won't say link tree, but I don't think it's actually called link tree. Anyway, it, that'll be in the show notes. So you can go there and follow us everywhere Instagram. To- Anyway, you know what social media Instagram, is. Twitter, Facebook. They know what social media yeah. is. They know they've been there. Um, Goodreads, if you really want, probably. Should we get a Snapchat or a TikTok? I don't know. Letterbox <laughs> wouldn't be a bad one. We've got yeah. a letterboxed. It's on. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I started that and I should probably pass that to you, Matthew, because I'm. I'm <laughs> 
In fact, I'll send you the logins for that later. Yeah, we'll we'll sort that one out. That'll be more active soon. Yes, we'll get the letterboxed on the on the go. And uh, yeah, so the last thing to say is bye. Keep it creepy. Bye. Lovely. <laughs>